재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Most of us know the basic facts right now. Paris, a city under siege, coordinated terrorist attacks, including one at a game between the football teams of France and Germany and at a concert. Uh, the entire country now in a state of mourning. The president, Francois Hollande, calling these attacks an act of war, international condemnation from throughout the globe. And we are now seeing French airplanes, warplanes, stepping up an air campaign against key ISIS targets in Syria. To give us more analysis on the situation, we're very pleased to have joining us from S. Rajaratnan School of International Studies at Nanyang Techno- Technological Inst- uh, University in Singapore, Professor Rohan Gunaratna. Hello. Yes, this is Rohan Gunaratna. Thank you so much for joining us, Professor. Uh, the, what do we know so far? I understand we're still looking for the eighth assailant. Uh, needless to say, uh, the security forces are still vigilant um, and girding themselves for any potential future attacks, right? Yes. In fact, there is a terrorist support and operation infrastructure in France. And in Belgium, that was used to stage this attack. Now the French authorities working with their counterparts in Germany, Belgium, and in other countries, they are mapping that network and slowly dismantling it part by part. But it's a transnational network that is beyond France. Right. As we know, uh, there have been arrests made in Belgium and Germany. Uh, It does beg the question, Professor, how extensive was this network and how were they able to access these um, uh, advanced weaponry in order to conduct these attacks? In Europe, it's not too difficult to gain access to weapons. Uh, Weaponry is available in Europe. And once a weapon enters one country in Europe, that weapon can move across uh, the borders of the uh, Schengen states. Uh, The second matter is that uh, the Europeans now have come to the conclusion that uh, there was an intelligence failure and that it is so important for them to step up their counterterrorism intelligence capacity in order to prevent the next attack. We're, we're indeed getting reports uh, from various intelligence sources that over in the United States there were warnings about this uh, from other parts of the world as well. Uh, it is quite easy to just uh, simplistically compare this situation to what happened during the 9-11 terrorist attacks uh, back in 2001, but certainly intelligence failure was uh, being pointed at. Uh, do you feel that uh, the countries around Europe and indeed around the world were simply just caught um, off guard right now with this situation? Most governments prepared to fight Al-Qaeda. They did not prepare to fight a group that calls itself the Islamic State. Of course, with the uh, proclamation of a caliphate, in June of last year, we have seen a hyper-threat, an enhanced terrorist threat, because the Islamic State presents a bigger threat than Al-Qaeda. So most governments will now need to increase uh, 
the strength of their security forces, particularly their intelligence services, because intelligence is the front line against fighting terrorism. It is the duty and the responsibility of the intelligence services to monitor those terrorist support and operational cells and to ensure that those cells are dismantled before there is an attack. In the case of Paris, there was a clear failure. Help us understand the situation. Uh, you mentioned how intelligence authorities around the world have to shift their focus from al-Qaeda to uh, Islamic State. How are they different in terms of uh, how they set up cells in various places? Uh, how are, you, you mentioned how they are much more effective and dangerous. In what ways are they? Al-Qaeda is a historical group created in 1988. But the rise of the Islamic State is more recent. What we have seen is a change in the global terrorist threat landscape. Since last year, we are seeing that the Al-Qaeda-centric groups, the groups that work with Al-Qaeda, they are now pledging allegiance to the leader of the Islamic State. And we are seeing that the most dominant terrorist group now is the Islamic State and 50 to 60 groups in Asia, Africa, Middle East, and thousands of cells around the world that are now driven by the ISIS ideology. These cells are also operating in Europe. They have penetrated. They have uh, started to operate in the migrant communities in Europe. And it is those cells that are now working with the Islamic State doing these attacks. Does this now mark then a dramatic shift in Islamic State's strategy? You mentioned their desire to uh, form a caliphate in the region. And up till now, they've largely been focusing most of their efforts within that area of Syria and Iraq. Are we now expecting potential attacks, not just in Europe, but all over the world? The greatest strength of the Islamic State is in Iraq and Syria. But they have now got the support of a number of terrorist groups in Africa, in the Middle East, in the Caucasus, and in Asia. Other than that, they have got the support of a number of individuals and cells and networks in Europe and North America and Australia. So Islamic State's global expansion today presents a threat beyond the Middle East, beyond Iraq and Syria. So this will be the new face of terrorism the world is going to see. There will be more attacks like Paris in the coming months and coming years. How does this affect the very tenuous social dynamics right now in France and in various countries where you do have a growing Muslim immigrant population. Uh, we saw the tensions erupt uh, after the Charlie Hebdo attacks. Uh, but a, for a country like France, uh, what does this mean to the Muslim community and how the rest of the world views Islam? By staging these attacks, what the Islamic State want to do is to create a conflict between the Muslims living in Europe and elsewhere with the non-Muslims. So terrorism creates uh, rift, divisions, segregations between Muslims and non-Muslims. 
So France and the rest of Europe and other countries will have to work even harder to keep the relations between the Muslims and the non-Muslims uh, close. Because if those relations deteriorate, terrorism will increase. How does this affect the huge influx of refugees from Syria that we've been witnessing in Europe right now? Uh, we've had countries who were reluctant. We've had countries uh, like Germany and Sweden who have opened their borders. Uh, do you feel that that situation will change dramatically? Absolutely. We have seen that Germany decided to accept uh, quite a large number of refugees. Other countries, there was some reluctance. Now there will be a lot more pressure on countries that are willing to provide assistance to those refugees. This attack is a turning point in uh, Europe's policies on the human rights security balance, uh, Europe's policies on refugees, Europe's commitment to fight terrorism uh, outside Europe and within Europe. As I mentioned, and uh, as most people know by now, uh, France has now engaged in a very big way. Uh, they have sent warplanes and uh, bombed key targets within Syria, uh, what they deem to be key ISIS uh, strategic strongholds. Uh, how does this affect the, uh, glo the international coalition and their efforts in combating ISIS within Syria and Iraq? There must be greater political will and create a political leadership on the part of the West because the Western nations supported the interventions in Iraq, in Libya, and in Syria. And all those interventions have gone wrong. And now the Western nations cannot withdraw. They must work with the Arab countries and other countries now to stabilize those conflict zones. As long as there is active conflict in Iraq, in Syria and Libya. There will be terrorist attacks because it is in those crucibles that extremist ideologies emerge. It is in those crucibles that IDPs, the refugees and the terrorists are produced. So France, Europe and other countries now have to invest more resources to fight ISIS, to contain ISIS, to isolate ISIS and eliminate ISIS. For us over here in Asia, uh, Professor Gunaratna, Singapore has a very strong security infrastructure. Uh, here in Korea, many people feel very much removed from all the events going on in the Middle East. Uh, d do you believe that there are risks involved for people living in Korea, people living in Singapore, people in Asia? Are we also vulnerable to uh, potential attacks? The International Center for Political Violence and Terrorism Research in Singapore that I had, we have identified 22 groups in Southeast Asia that have pledged allegiance to Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, mm. the leader of ISIS. And it is so important for those groups to come under security review and for governments to dismantle those groups. If those groups grow, certainly ISIS will present a threat, not only to Southeast Asia, but to Northeast Asia, including to Korea. So there must be a combined effort on the part of countries in the Asia-Pacific to fight ISIS, ISIS ideology, 
ICS cells, ICS networks, and ICS individuals. And final question, bottom line, you do believe, and uh, what you've been saying is, unless that situation in Syria and Iraq, what the international community is trying to do, unless that is once and for all resolved, we will be seeing more of these terrorist attacks. Uh, we just don't know where or when. Without dismantling ISIS in the core area of Iraq and Syria, and also wherever ISIS has established a foothold, say in Libya, in the Caucasus, in Yemen, in uh, Nigeria, wherever ISIS has a presence, ISIS must be targeted. ISIS presents a scale and a magnitude of threat that is unprecedented. ISIS is a big terrorist group compared to Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda is like a kindergarten group. Mm. So the world leaders, governments must come together now to fight and dismantle ISIS. Certainly uh, sobering thoughts and really some difficult times as uh, everyone uh, is expressing their condolences and sympathies, but still also um, some concerns that abound all throughout the world in the light of these attacks. Professor Gunaratna, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate your analysis. Thank you. That was Professor Rohan Gunaratna from Nanyang Technological University in Singapore. Uh, check of track and weather up next.